Hey, all you IT listeners out there. I just wanted to take a moment before the show to share with you our new sponsor. We've been working with BestRadioTravel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to our loyal listeners. Stay tuned during the upcoming show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30% off your hotel rates. Awesome. Let's start the show. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, girlfriendit.com, and the movement, girlfriendit. here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. Well, hey, 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 hey. Welcome to our show. I am Patty Wyatt, the host of the show today. And today we are going to lean in and chat about the need for change. Hopefully by the end of the show, you will be doing more than leaning in. But you will be stepping in and actually reflecting on what action steps you can take today to start uh, your changing process. Have you ever heard of the quote, no one but a baby with a dirty diaper wants change? Because often it takes time, it takes discipline, sometimes grit. And the biggest part, we have to want to change. And I love the quote, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. And I wish I could resource um, who wrote that. But I, I know somebody out there will will let me know who actually uh, that that quote is coming from. But today we have the honor to speak with co-author of the recently released book, Need for Change, Helen Thorne. Helen is the Director of Training and Mentoring at London City Mission. She is a trustee of Biblical Counseling UK and involved in pastoral care within her local church. She's an experienced speaker and author of Purity as Possible, Five Things to Pray for Your City, and Walking with Domestic Abuse Sufferers. So what an honor today, Helen, to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's so lovely to be here. Well, you and your um, partner, your writing partner, came up with this thought of how do we give students this resource that can help young people discover how God changes them to become more like Jesus. And with that, I I love that it's never too early to start recognizing the need for change. You guys wrote this book. Tell us where this came from and the thought process and and your story of what birthed this book. Well, how far do you want me to go back? Uh, As far as you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) We can rewind time about three years. Uh, And my co-author, Andrew Nichols, uh, was a pastor of a a fairly large church in southwest London. And uh, he decided that it'd be really good to give the congregation members a structure to work through and to how uh, biblical change happens. Because a lot of us do want to change, uh, but we're not quite sure how to change. We feel it might be a bit of a hassle. Maybe it feels a bit impossible. And so in his role as the pastor who was looking after pastoral care, he came up with this draft six-week uh, program that was based on material uh, originally written by David Powerson uh, of CCEF. And we trialled this for a, a few terms, and people were really excited. 
uh, and they were seeing new fruit in their life. They were seeing the possibility of moving away from old, irritating habits towards being more Christ-like. And we thought, well, actually, maybe, maybe this is something that can go a bit wider. So we uh, trialled it with a few other churches, uh, then teamed up with New Growth Press uh, to produce real change. And then New Growth Press uh, came to us and said, Look, you know, students, students struggle too. Uh, they have a whole set of uh, challenges that are really unique to being in education. Uh, why don't we come up with something that's uh, based on the same material, but is specifically designed for the student age group? Wow. And, and so then as you're coming up with this design, how did you unfold it to, to realize, hey, this, this really is happening and people are changing? with this system. Well, it was exciting just to talk to people and just to get the emails coming in after people were using the material. I mean, some of the emails were gloriously exciting, saying, oh, I'm starting to be more patient uh, with my boyfriend. I'm starting to see myself in a different light. I used to hate myself, but now I'm seeing myself much more as as God uh, made me. And that really galvanized us to um, produce the material, which is a six-week course called Real Change for Students, which takes people step by step through a diagram of how to change. Now, of course, we also got some funny emails as well. Uh, people that, uh, as you alluded to earlier, weren't necessarily very keen on change. Uh, I had a <laughs> glorious conversation uh, with one person who went through the course and I said, oh, and how did you find it? Uh, and she looked at me very sternly and said, oh, I don't know what to say, Helen. I said, well, go on, tell me a little bit more. She said, God's confronted with me my sin and I have to do something about it now, don't I? Uh, I said, well, is, is that a bad thing? And she's going, no, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. I'm just really grumpy with you. Um, <laughs> um, but um, through all that kind of feedback, we realized there were so many people out there that wanted to be more like Jesus, that wanted to move away from these habits that so many of us are ashamed of or, or we just know aren't right. Uh, hence putting the course together. Mm hmm. Uh, and, and that's what it is so hard because uh, I don't I always think of the story where there is this hound dog outside of the gas station and he is just howling was in so much pain laying there and just howling and howling. And this guy comes up to get gas and he asks the gas owner, you know, what's wrong with your hound dog? I mean, he's just obviously very miserable. <laughs> like, is he OK? And the gas station owner said, yeah, uh, he happens to be lying on a nail. And he goes, well, why isn't he moving? Why isn't he getting up? And the owner said, well, I guess it doesn't hurt him badly enough. And I, that always stays with me because it's so mm -hmm. true. We want to walk around and talk about, oh, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> you know? It's like, I, I need to, you know, change these habits. I, I'm an executive coach. And as I coach people, they will know that they need a change. And they will talk about, you know, be it their, their weight, or their finances, or just, you know, simple little struggles in their life. Mm -hmm. And, as much as you say, you are the sum of your choices. When you look at your habits, you you can predict your outcome. Like we've seen this movie if you keep going down this path. And yet they'll still go, you know, if they're complaining about their finances and they don't have enough money, but they're still going to Dutch Bros and Starbucks every morning. And even though you try to 
cast the vision on the bigger picture of what their net worth will be like at the end of the month when you continue to make these purchases or you know how their if their goal is their weight and you know it's like okay we have to change your eating habits and if it's their clutter and you go okay we need to come in and get rid of some of this clutter it's creating you know your brain to be cluttered too so let's change your cleaning habits so you can go through and we can talk about this what is what needs to be done but even that can be overwhelming so it's so like like your friend saying I don't really like you right now because it can be overwhelming when you have to take those steps but I I love to just say you know you have to start somewhere and you you get what you get and then you just keep repeating it you're going to get that outcome of your habits. So if you keep repeating just teeny tiny, you know, changing 1% and taking those steps, then you're going to get an amazing outcome. So what would be an example of some of those steps that we can give to our listeners as tips? Well, to start with, I think often the mistake that we make as human beings when we want to change is we we just go for our behavior. I suppose it's a bit like making New Year's resolutions or something like that. You know, you just decide that you're going to be patient from there on in, as if you could just click your fingers and make that possible. And it doesn't take us very long to realize that we can't just do behavior change. Self-control will hold it out for a little while Um, it doesn't really kind of last for any length of time I mean how many people have made a new year's resolution and haven't broken it by January the 4th Um, and so what the course really does is it breaks it down into steps which looks at heart change and it looks at our relationship with God uh, in the middle of that change so it's got six chapters uh, and each chapter is looking at a different aspect Uh, chapter one looks at what we call uh, heat and that's the circumstances of life because what we don't want to do is be these really unsympathetic people that are going, well, just be godly, just be different. You know, life is really hard. You know, you might be dealing with the pressure of a university study. You might be dealing with a, a relationship that's tough. You might have a whole host of stuff in the past that's still weighing heavily on you. Finances might be tight. Uh, you might have a bereavement. You know, all this stuff really matters. Uh, and so we spend the first week looking at what life is genuinely like, uh, what the heat around us is, and how we end up responding to the pressures that come at us. So we just we spend some time just observing ourselves uh, and seeing what life is really like. Uh, we then move on uh, to take our eyes a little bit deeper into our own hearts. Uh, and that's looking at um, the fact that we all produce thorns in our life. Uh, and by thorns, I mean that, that kind of sharp, spiky behavior uh, that will come out in different circumstances. So it might be that people are being very irritating. That's our heat. But the fact that we are angry back, well, that's our thorns. And we we can't ignore the heat and we don't want to dismiss the heat but we are responsible for the thorns that kind of come back it's kind of like a i suppose a a garden imagery um that we all produce things that we don't want we say things we do things that we know just aren't right and that's because our hearts are often very far from god even if we love him very much uh you know there are times when we just want to do stuff our way uh and to ignore what he says uh, about our lives and so once we've been very realistic about the fact that uh, no change ha- is necessary, uh, the heat is real, the thorns are real, we spend uh, the next session just 
really getting to grips with what Jesus has done. Uh, and, and we look at how he reorientates and, and calls us to a life that's so much better. Uh, so it's not a legalistic, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. We spend uh, our time being utterly bowled over by the fact that the God who adores us, the God who made us, the God who saved us, the God who's called us to this fantastic new life, who's working in us day by day to change us, uh, is going to enable us little by little to want to do things differently. Now, clearly, this is a lifetime's work. This doesn't happen in an evening. Yeah. Uh, but we get very excited about the work that God is doing in us. So we talk about things like maybe feeling a bit like a rundown house. I don't know about your neighborhood. In my neighborhood, there are lots of rundown houses. There's kind of houses where the fence is falling over and maybe the windows are, are a bit broken. Maybe the garden's a bit overgrown. The roof is a little bit falling apart. And as human beings, we can feel like that. Uh, and we kind of say, look, God's not looking at our lives, even though they're messy, going, my goodness, what a mess. God is looking at our lives and going, whoa, what a fixer upper. I can, I'm going to do the roof up. I'm going to give the new glass in the windows. We're going to landscape the garden and give a new, new wall around. And it's going to be beautiful. And so we cast a vision for what life could be like if we were reacting to God's love and God's grace rather than to the tough stuff that's going on around us. If our heart was in line with Jesus uh, rather than in line with our own desires. Mm. And so from there, we, we look at some strategies some Bible verses about how we can start putting that into practice. How when that really irritating comment comes, we can respond with grace rather than an anger. How when the pressure builds up, we can respond with trust rather than despair. Uh, and we look at how we do that in community. The final section, it looks at how we can have an ongoing relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, which isn't just about going to church together or doing a Bible study together. It's about doing life together and being a community, a family that just link arms and go, life's tough sometimes. We get it wrong, but let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and together we're going to change to be more like him. So that's the kind of the potted version of what the course would do. I I love that. And I especially like um, in the book, you guys really focus on that, on doing life together, linking arms and together, keeping your eyes uh, fixed, fixed on Jesus. I think often, at least the way I was raised and I was raised in a more legalistic home that you couldn't necessarily depend on people because you were putting people above God if you mm -hmm. had those relationships to that level. And, uh, I, I love that, that that's why we're wired for relationships We're wired to, to link arms and do it together. And I, I do think that especially with our youth, we're so focused in this world of social media that we, we link screens together <laughs> versus mm -hmm. arms together. And it's, it's hard not to play the comparison game so when we are face to face, it's I can't really share. I'm going to I'm going to share more of a um, a smoked screen rather than truly what is going on in in my world right now. And Absolutely. how have you found to really break down that that barrier? Oh, you know what? I do want to ask you that. But I just want to share when you were talking about I, I love the the rundown house and that imagery of the gardens overgrown, you know, all this because we do we have a tendency to go, oh, there's no way, you know, I, I am just a mess here. And I, I work with 
college uh, students, girls, and one of them just put into our little group chat all the different things that you can make with potatoes. She had pictures of tater tots, potato chips, potato buds, you know, all the French fries, everything. And she said, look at all the things that you can do with a, a potato. Can you just imagine what God can do with us? And uh, I don't know if she got that somewhere on Pinterest or, or whatever, but I was like, wow, that is such a good imagery for them because they love, we have potato parties all the time. They love all the fun things. They all try to bring, bring a different potato item. And to to really see that, that we're all unique. We all have our our yuckiness, our broken down gardens and overgrown, you know, junk, but how we can come together. But what would be your your tip in the in the book that you can say we have to be transparent or we're not going to be able to move forward in link arms mm. well first of all can i say i've just never heard of a potato party uh, and i want one that's going to be my takeaway <laughs> from this interview i think um but um in terms of creating a culture of openness i mean that can be really hard we often talk about uh, the miracle of the church car park uh, when we're doing talks uh, on this kind of subject. And that's it. We leave home on a, a Sunday morning, really messy, possibly upset, maybe having had an argument, maybe feeling quite stressed, maybe feeling guilty about something we'd done the night before, maybe just really distracted by all the tasks that we're meant to have on our to-do list that day. And then we walk through uh, the doors of the church. Someone says, hi, how are you? And we simply respond by going, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, and it's this mask that we constantly put up. Uh, and I don't think we should be surprised. Um, you know, ever since Genesis 3 and the world uh, went very badly wrong, there's been that tendency to want to hide what we're really like, to kind of uh, hide from God and to hide from each other and to say, well, actually, maybe it's other people's fault uh, rather than mine. I don't want to talk about my problems. I want to shine the spotlight elsewhere. But we talk about uh, the Ephesians 4 kind of call that we've got to one another. It's, it's great. Google one anothering in the Bible. You just see the number of verses uh, that come up with one anothering. You know, you have to love one another, teach one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, rebuke one another, encourage one another. I think, first of all, it's getting that biblical vision for actually church is about doing things together. It's about one anothering on quite, quite a deep level. And then I think it's about just seeing the fruit that comes by sharing. Now, sharing can be a bit scary, and I'm certainly not suggesting you share everything about your life with everyone at church. I mean, that would be utterly terrifying and probably not very wise. Uh, but actually having a few deep friendships where we can be authentic, it's about being real. It's about being known. And, and when we see the beautiful fruit that comes from relationships like that, uh, we can start spreading the word going, look, as I started sharing, as I started reading the Bible together, as I started applying God's word to my life and my friend's life, uh, you know, as we got together over a cuppa, then I, I really began to grow. Why don't other people try it too? I remember uh, the first time I gave my testimony in church. And I'm one of these people that has one of those testimonies that I suppose, I mean, it's a wonderful testimony to God's work, but you do go slightly red as you're saying some of it. You know, I've got a background of addiction and things like that. And I remember that feeling when I first sat down in church after having given my testimony, that sinking feeling of now everyone knows what I'm mm -hmm. really like. 
And I thought, that's it. I'm going to have to change church. I'm never going to come here again. This is just too hideous. But after that service, it was incredible. I had person after person coming up and talking to me going, Helen, I'm an addict too. Helen, I get anxious too. Helen, I get depressed too. Helen, I I thought I was the only person that was messing up on a day-by-day basis. I thought everyone else in church was sorted. And whilst it did take a little bit of God-given courage for me to start that process, the fruit was incredible. Suddenly we realised we weren't this bunch of shiny people all victoriously serving God together. We were this messy group of people that were just sinners saved by grace that needed Jesus and each other so much. And once we started talking about it, uh, then we could really start to get to work on what mattered most in our lives. And it takes time to create that kind of culture in a church or in a, in a Christian union or a student fellowship or in a, just a house. But little by little, don't rush it so people get scared. Little by little, we can take steps to just be more open ourselves. And it's amazing how open people will be in return. Mm. All right. I'm going to ask a, a just a tough question here on when we are, um, and I really appreciate your the sentence you said, we are, we are not just... Um, we, we want to get to that point where we're victoriously serving Christ together, but yet it's, it's not like, Oh, we're all so healthy and we come and we do this. You know, it's like, we have that, that God given courage to be able to share how vulnerable we are in these areas. Then at what point, how do you go about casting the vision of not being stuck? I'm having a hard time trying to formulate this question without sounding like, um, you know, it's like, okay, all right, already quit talking about all of our issues over and over again. And, and, and yet, you know, the answers once again, you, you know, it's like, okay, by getting into scripture, by seeing, you know, encouraging one another, getting out of that, that pit like Jeremiah, but how sometimes I just feel like there's certain people that we just can't move them out of the pit. And I know it's not our job to change them and our job to, you know, get them there. It's the Holy Spirit. But uh, how do you cast the vision that way in this? Do you have that in your discipleship and through the, the book? So a little bit, yes. Um, we have to be realistic. Every single one of us is going to struggle with something until the day Jesus calls us home or returns. So it's not like any of us are ever going to have to stop struggling. Struggle is part of the Christian life. But you're right, there are some people that seem to um, feel very stuck uh, where they are. And so what we encourage people to do in in the book is not to go, okay, I want to change everything in my life in six weeks, because clearly that's not going to work. What we encourage people to do is take one very tiny, very manageable part of their life and address that over the course of the six sessions of the course. And even then, we're acknowledging that that, even that tiny aspect of their life might not be sorted in six weeks. Uh, It might be a much longer process than that. But it's about taking those steps. And so if you imagine that your struggles are like this massive wall in front of you, we're not saying knock down the wall. What we're saying is pick a brick from that wall and actually work on that for six weeks. And that won't dramatically change the size of the wall, but it will mean that there's a tiny baby step of process uh, progress that's been made. And so we encourage people to think small, but then to keep thinking like that for the rest of their lives. This isn't a six-week course, do it and you're done. 
This is a six-week course that gives you a, a vocabulary, a structure, uh, a heart for a lifestyle of change. And you take out one brick with the Lord's help, and then you move on to the next brick, and then the next one, and the next one. And so you, you're breaking down change into tiny bite-sized portions, which means even the people that are in the, the pit the deepest, even those people that have been struggling the longest, don't feel overwhelmed by the, the call to change. They can go, okay, let's just do something tiny, and then we'll build from there. Mm. I, I try to tell my own children, I continuously, I don't know if it's a big saying in, in the UK, but the Disney world out here, it's like, it's, yeah, it's not just a magic wand where God is our genie, where you do the bippity boppity boo. You really have to put your effort into it as well. It's, <laughs> we don't have just the Cinderella's, you know, fairy godmother that can, that can do that. Um, I think often you feel like you can pray and then you go, how come God's not taking this away from me? And how come God's not helping me with this change? Because we do expect it to be the magic wand. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, I think that's hard, especially in your spiritual walk when you might be a little bit more um, having those expectations because you keep hearing it and yet you're not feeling it. Uh, What, what would be some of your answers when, you hear that when you're like, you know, let's pray together or let's, you know, talk about this or this scripture. And they, it's like, no, I, I'm kind of done with that. I don't want to, I don't want to hear your verses. I don't want you to pray over me. I've been praying and I don't see God showing up. Mm. And of course, God doesn't work to our time scale. So, I mean, there is a sense in which sometimes we do pray for things for a long, long time uh, and they don't change because he has some purpose um, in our thorn in our flesh, which we don't understand right now. And so we certainly don't want to laden people with guilt that you're not trying hard enough or you're not praying hard enough. Uh, sometimes that's not um, what's what's going on at all. Um but if, if someone's just being a bit resistant, uh, they don't want to engage in this process of change. I just very quietly and very gently um, go for a walk with them and say, you know, what's going on here? They try and dig into, you know, is it that they think God doesn't care about them anymore? So we might talk about God's immeasurable love. Is it that they think that God isn't powerful enough to change someone like them? Well, we could talk about God's incredible sovereignty and, and the fact that he can uh, do anything and in his good purposes, uh, he, he never gives up on his children. Uh, is, he, is they think that actually they've just been persevering too long uh, and they're tired? Well, we can just talk about God's refreshment and the way that the, the Lord carries burdens. Is it that just actually they're covering up something sinful? Because, you know, we all do that from time to time. We don't want to change because then actually we might have to get rid of something that's hidden. You know, maybe a bit of alcohol use or pornography use or something like that. We don't want the big stuff to change because people might find out what's going on underneath. So we can talk about, you know, bringing light into some dark places. Or it might just be that, you know, something else has happened in their life and, and they feel they want to work on that for a while, in which case, you know, that might be absolutely fine. We can't work on everything simultaneously. So it's about getting alongside people individually, hearing where they're genuinely at, teasing out the reasons why maybe we get stuck, because we all do from time to time, and just reminding people of the goodness of God and maybe going back to verses like Philippians 1.6 which reminds us that he who's begun a good work in us will bring it to completion and just reflecting on what that means in their particular circumstance. Mm. 
And I appreciate how you just say, you know, come along beside them and, and walk next to them. I think often we have a tendency to want to hit them with scripture and, and prayer. And if they're not in that place, then having that conversation and not pushing it on them, because I, I have heard some of you know, just in working with youth where they have said that has been a big turnoff. And I, I think for any of our listeners just to know, um, even though scripture might just come pouring out of us in what to say, turn it in such a way where it doesn't sound, um, as you said, so legalistic and so the, that we're judging you. So now we're going to start throwing scripture on you and we need to pray over you because, you know, you're this awful sinner and we're go- going to make you right. And with that, we are going to go on a commercial break right now, Helen. So we are going to be back after these messages talking with Helen Thorne and it's never too early to start recognizing the need for change. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Toginet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discounts you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of our show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates of over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash patty. Sign up and enjoy the discounts. That is bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. With Thanksgiving upon us, Weight Watchers offers tips so you can enjoy the holiday without guilt and without a feeling as though you're competing with the turkey in the stuffed steaks. You can enjoy the celebration and still not fall off your healthy eating plan. If you are currently working towards losing weight, remember that Thanksgiving is just one day, not a week long. They recommend that number one, you decide how much of your favorite food will satisfy you. Number two, select once a year foods. Number three, just say no when you're pressured by others to take seconds or thirds and stop when you're full. Number four, remember that all foods have benefits. And finally, number five, broaden your focus. 
Thanksgiving is not just about delicious food. It's about being with the people you love and being thankful for this great country that we live in. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Hey, 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 you are talking or listening to uh, Patty Wyatt. And today we have been leaning in and chatting with Helen Thorne. She is the author of Need for Change. She's also the director of training and mentoring at London City Mission. She's a trustee of Biblical Counseling UK, and she has been writing books in the past. Uh, one of them, Purity is Possible. The other one, Five Things to Pray for Your City, and also Walking with Domestic Abuse Sufferers. So once again, it's been such an honor, Helen, having you on our show today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We uh, we we went into the commercial break um, talking about how to get stuck. Um, I mean, how to get unstuck when you're stuck <laughs> in the pit, and just coming along beside them and just building that relationship, doing life with people, and letting the Holy Spirit do the job, not um, not pounding them with scripture and and prayer, and letting it just flow naturally. And I am sure you have tons of stories as you have been writing this book and you've been testing, you know, some of the. Um, the resources that you have in there, testing that out. Can you share a story with us of just how you've seen this in action of helping people to recognize the need for change? Yeah, so I was working with a young lady. We'll, we'll call her Anna. That's not her real name. Um, and Anna's a, a grad student uh, studying to uh, work overseas in development. Uh, and she's had a really quite a difficult life uh, up until now. Uh, her, her parents uh, split up at quite an early age. Uh, one of her parents is an addict. Uh, another one of her parents has been uh, relatively violent towards her over the years. And she's taken on a lot of um, real, real lies about her, I suppose. Lies that she's worthless, lies that she is purposeless, lies that she will never amount to anything. Um, uh, lies that her her main role in life is to be somebody else's punch bag or just to be put upon by others. And unsurprisingly, she's struggled a lot with anxiety, a lot with depression, uh, a bit with self-harm as well. Uh, and Anna is just incredibly intelligent. She's incredibly witty and funny and really talented at so many things, but is constantly weighed down with the sense that she's not good enough and that actually she should punish herself for not being good enough and that she fully expects God to punish her uh, for not being good enough as well. Uh, and Anna and I have been talking a lot about the material that uh, we cover in the Real Change course. And it's, it's, it's little bit by little bit. You know, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot in her backstory. We're not trying to tackle everything at once. What we've focused in on, just as the baby step, the one brick that we're looking at, is the God wants to punish me thing. Because, you know, she's a precious chosen child of God. She loves Jesus massively. More importantly, she's loved by Jesus massively. And God doesn't want to punish her. Jesus has taken all the punishment that she ever deserved. And she certainly didn't deserve uh, a lot of the punishment that she got when she was at home. 
And so we've been talking a lot about um, why she feels that God wants to punish her. We've been teasing out that complex web, web of her childhood. We've been looking at uh, how the fact that when she believes that lie, that God thinks she deserves punishment, she automatically goes to some really self-destructive places herself and, and tries to punish herself. And as a result of that, we spent a lot of time dwelling in God's word, especially places like Ephesians 1, which remind her she's a chosen child of God, that she's full of the Holy Spirit, that she's lavished with grace, that she's adopted and free. Uh, and look at who her true identity is. You know, the identity she believes is that she's a miserable worm that's worth nothing. But the identity she really has is this beautiful, precious identity that God has given her in Christ, that she is so valuable as an adopted child uh, who has such gifts and, and such a wonderful future to look forward to. And so what we've gradually been doing is dwelling on this, this real identity and trying day by day to put off this, this old identity that sometimes she clings on to. And so we have a bit of a texting relationship. She'll text me and say, oh, I've, I've messed up. I need to be punished. And I'll, I'll text back going, well, is that true? What, what does God say about you? Uh, and then she'll say, oh, no, no, no. Jesus, Jesus has taken the punishment. I'm clean. I, I'm, I'm precious in his sight. I, I don't need to punish myself. I can be confident that God's not going to punish me. And then we can talk about, well, how can you go then go on in the rest of the evening? You know, now, you, now you've remembered that actually you don't deserve punishment for that, that actually, you know, you are a clean and forgiven child of God. So, oh, well, then I can go and do some of my studies. I can go and um, uh, have a nice meal with a friend. I can go and relax, maybe do a dance class. And little by little, we're gradually building up this new identity. And as she's really getting it, it's gradually impacting her behavior. And rather than showing all the thorns of self-harm and, and false beliefs about God, she's starting to blossom into this person that's showing real fruit, a real trust in God, seeing God as he truly is uh, and acting in, in line with this, this new identity. Now, it's little by little. There are some days where she texts me and goes, I'm a precious child of God. Isn't this exciting? Uh, I want to go out into the world and, and really honour him today. And sometimes she has a really bad day uh, and she texts me and goes, oh, I just can't do this. I, I think I think the punishment thing is far better. But but little by little, we're getting fewer of those self-punishment days and more of those days when she sees herself as God has truly made her to be. And I have absolute confidence that as time goes on, she'll keep continue to grow. Yes, yeah, she'll have the days when she messes up. All of us do. But little by little, she takes her eyes off this mirror where she sees herself as miserable and worthless and puts her eyes firmly on God's word and sees herself as valuable because Christ, what Christ has done for her. Mm. Then she'll be able to live in whole different ways. And she's not there yet, just like I'm not there yet with my struggles but it's beautiful to see her beginning to flourish, beginning to see her bear fruits, beginning to see her change and to actually live in the light of what's true rather than the light of all the tough stuff that's been imposed upon her over the years. And I, I'm writing that that down of living in the light of what is true. It's so easy to create that other narrative in our head and focus on the lies that the enemy wants us to focus on uh, and not taking action in, in living in the light and, and the truth. 
which which goes back to say another tip for our listeners out there. And I, once again, I need to hear this tip of being more thoughtful about what you consume. When you say, you know, we just get into Ephesians and really see how God is just lavishing us in grace and how beautiful and precious we really are. And we were created in his image. And yet it's so easy because social media is is so quick to go into. You know, you watch the, our youth with their phone is an extension of their body. And so it's just, they're just looking at it continuously. And the quality of ideas that you're putting in your mind determines the quality of ideas that you're putting out. And we see that in scripture. And yet it's so easy to do that fast, quick fix. Uh, do you guys have any techniques that you do in group to kind of help with, with I don't know, figuring out some limitations? I, I think social media and Internet is amazing on one hand, and yet I do believe it's creating a lot of anxiety and this comparison that just creates this paralysis in our youth of not feeling like they're good enough. Mm. The course itself doesn't go into detail on that. But when I've done the course with people, we've had loads of conversations because social media is such a big thing. Uh, and the reality is most of us spend more time on social media than we do in God's word. And therefore, we shouldn't be surprised that we listen to the messages of social media more than we're listening to the word of God. And so one of the first things I often encourage people, and I have to say this to myself as much as to other people, is have times when your phone's just not on. So I'll, certainly when I'm asleep, my phone, I can't hear the beeps. I just get away from it completely. And you know what? After a couple of years of not checking my phone at night, the world is still turning uh, and God is still on his throne. Nothing bad has happened. So have, have some media breaks. Uh, a local church quite near to me has a media fast occasionally. So the congregation will put away their phones other than essential use for a week. And they'll get together in little groups and just read through the Psalms together or read through the Gospels together instead of uh, spending time on their phones. And, and that is just such a beautiful way to get the main thing, the main thing again, mm. actually putting God in his rightful place as number one in our minds. But there can be other little techniques as well. So when I was on a youth camp uh, a little while ago, we encouraged all the young people to, for a time at least, to put all their phone on, on black and white rather than colour. And it's incredible, just because it's not quite so singing and dancing, just because it's not quite so flashy and alluring, you just automatically look at it a little bit less. Now, you might not want to do that um, all the time, but just giving ourselves moments where we move away from social media, you don't have to give up on it completely because it can be great fun. It can even be evangelistic, uh, but just to put it in its proper place, in proper proportion. And then finally, I think when we're actually looking at other people's feeds, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever your social media happens to be, just always looking at it and saying to yourself, this isn't the whole story of that person's life. You know, they might look shiny and new and as if everything's going perfectly, but actually that's just what they're putting out in public. There's a whole other backstory. And I, I don't need to be comparing myself to the shiny persona. I want to be an authentic child of God who's pursuing Jesus wholeheartedly. And so just reminding ourselves as we're reading things through that it doesn't always give us a realistic impression of what life is like. 
And I suppose maybe also when we're putting stuff on social media, making sure we put stuff out there that is kind and helpful to people around us and isn't just perpetuating this cycle of comparing ourselves with one another. Mm. And that is such a great tip when we're putting it out there to really know our intentions. Why are we doing this? And I think even creating that conversation in throwing it out into our culture. Uh, cause I, I know with a lot of the youth, the, it, it actually is hysterical. They could be throwing up with the flu all day long, but if it's a party or an event, they want everybody to know they're at, they'll go just to take photos mm. and then come home. <laughs> and I'm like, you did what? <laughs> or they'll, they'll go out and they'll buy, you know, the flashy hot fudge Sunday and, and, to, and then not even eat it. Cause they don't want the calories, but they want the picture of, but this is what I'm doing. And so you have to go, okay, what, what are the intentions here of what you're putting on your story? You know, is it truly you? Is, is this authentically you or it's just, to show these highlights of I have this amazing life and uh, it, that it, it can get crazy. And yet I I've done it as well. You know, you, mm. you travel, you're going somewhere and you're like, this is me on the beach. This is me with all my friends. You know, It's easy to display this amazing life. And, and especially if you do have the gratitude of, you know, what God has blessed you with, well, we have a couple minutes before our show ends today. And Helen, if if you can share just one tip and also tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can go get this amazing book. And uh, well, let's just go with that. A tip and where to find you and where to get the, the um, book. Uh, tip, uh, as one of my pastors regularly says to me, eyes up, keep your eyes on Jesus. Pursuing him wholeheartedly is the best and most wonderful life you can possibly imagine so don't sell out for a second best elsewhere uh, where you can uh, find me you can find me on twitter at helen ruth 12 uh, or you can uh, log on to my author page in in uh, facebook helen thorne um but just uh, why not grab a hold of the book you can do it in your course do it in your student fellowship do it the friend one-to-one it's called real change for students uh, becoming more like jesus in everyday life by andrew nichols and helen thorne uh, it's published by new growth press uh, you can get it directly from them you can buy off of amazon or from your local bookshop uh, hopefully i pray it'll be really useful in helping you become more like christ I, I love it. And once again, uh, you know, I thank you for that tip. And w- the main message that you hope that young people, young people take away from the real change for student study. Can you say that in a sentence? <laughs> Eyes on Jesus. Don't sell out to anything less than becoming more like him. Awesome. And once again, we just want to thank you, Helen, for Um, being on the show today. It's such an honor to speak with you. And for those of you that are listening, run out and go get this new release book, Need for Change by um, Helen Thorne. And once again, the co-author, his name is Andrew Nichols and Andrew Nichols. Thank you, Helen. I hope you go have a beautiful week in London. And real quick, is it raining there? It's always raining here. (laughs) 
I, uh, I, it's so funny because it's not raining in Arizona, and I was just in Indiana all week long. And with that mist of rain, I don't know how you you do it. I, I know you want to be grateful for it, but it there's no reason to ever even comb your hair. Even <laughs> <laughs> just to talk about. I just think I would be wearing a hat every single day when you're when you're there. Um, I guess you just bring an umbrella wherever you go. But it's it's not about the downpour. It's about the mist that just makes your hair go go crazy. Um, But I guess if you're used to it, you're good to go. Hey, it's why I'm really grateful this was a phone and not a video link. (laughs) I'm always grateful. I say that all the time. I'm so glad I don't do YouTube videos that it's (laughs) always audio. So, well, thanks again. And thank you to all of our listeners out there. And we will talk again next week. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the